Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb. And as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you doing this week? It's nice to be back with you. Yeah, that's what I was about to say, Cade. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? We missed you last week. We had Adam Lunt, who was a last minute replacement, but you know, getting to spend my weekly time with you is something that I cherish. So I'm, I, I, w- I would agree with that. It's on my calendar with just a, a heart emoji. So I, I look forward <laughs> to it as well, but um, no, a couple of things. Number one, a huge thank you to you for obviously keeping the pod going last week. I was a late scratch as like literally within like hours that left you hanging. So thank you for doing it. And equally a big thank you to our friend, Adam, uh, who, you know, responded to the bat signal and uh critical <laughs> so uh i'm sure dustin appreciates it but i personally appreciate it as well as we were dealing with a bit of a family emergency that i've talked a little bit about but we won't we won't get into all that everybody's healthy everybody's happy over here except me i'm kind of unhealthy so if my voice sounds <laughs> terrible this week i apologize i'm trying my best just know that but uh yeah dustin i'm very very happy to be back with you this week and Kate, it seems like all of the current Oklahoma State players who we haven't heard, who we hadn't heard if they were coming back for sure, they decided to announce and wait for you to get back. And yeah. also another positive, I think, Kate, we found out, I think twice now in the off season, which has been it hasn't been that long to the off season that recording on Friday sometimes is a positive for us because we get to kind of. Stuff happens. I'm sure all this news from the whole week can talk about it. So it certainly does seem like, especially in the off season, that news breaks after Tuesday. And I don't know what that is, but it it definitely seems like our new Friday schedule works out much better uh, just in terms of being able to kind of capture everything. Because as you said, Dustin, we do have news. We have actually quite a bit that I know we can get into. So I guess before we do that, Dustin, let's go ahead and say a quick thank you to our friends at the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long. With over 30 schools to choose from, they've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. Shop today at www.charliehustle.com. And when you do, use our promo code 101215 for 15% off all non-sale items. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made, fresh. Dustin, I mean, let's just go ahead and get right into it. I know we've got several guys returning that we didn't know last week, so we can just kind of talk through those guys. Yeah, so a lot of guys. Let's... I think what we talked about off pod and hopefully the listeners like us doing it this way, instead of kind of going one by one, I'll just list them all off one by one. And we can talk about the imp, the total impact and key on specific guys. I'm sure we'll key on Alan Bowman for a second. And speaking of Alan Bowman, he's the first guy I have written down. He has confirmed that he has gotten his waiver and will be back for another year at Oklahoma state. Colin Oliver announced on Twitter, Brendan Presley, 
wide receiver for Oklahoma State, has a chance to become the most prolific statistic-wise receiver in Oklahoma State history coming back for another season. His was probably the most simple announcement of all. It didn't include a video or anything like that, just a quick little sentence on Twitter. Kendall Daniels just recently announced with a clip from the movie Tombstone, which is pretty cool. Justin Wright, in a reply to our friend Royal John, who we who we shout out several times on this podcast, said that he also has gotten his wish. <laughs> so that was kind of a weird way to announce, maybe more simple than Brendan Presley's. But shout out to our guy Royal John for that. Colin Clay wrote kind of a you know post out that he put in a clip on Twitter. Xavier Ross and then Jake Schultz has also announced he will be back. Oklahoma State fullback. Cade. With these guys all back, I went to our depth chart that we've been kind of keeping track of because the one Oklahoma State releases, you know, they don't always take people off when they're injured, things like that. So I tried to go off PFF, who started the most games. They're going to be returning, even if Preston Wilson doesn't come back because Jason Brooks also started games this season. Basically all five starters, whether Preston Wilson comes back or not. If he does, then they've got six, right? which is more than you would start. Uh, then they're, they've got Rashad Owens back, who I'm considering the starting Z receiver because he played a majority of the Z snaps this year. They're going to have Dejon Stribling back, who was supposed to be the starter for most of the season but was out due to his injury. Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon back. They really only lose Josiah Johnson and Braden Casty on offense. And then on defense, outside of Xavier Benson, Nathan Latou, Anthony Goodlow, and Cody Walterscheid, they return basically everyone at, aside from DJ McKinney and Nick Session, some of the guys in the portal who we'll talk about a little bit more in a little bit. But as starters go, Benson Latou and Walter Scheid or Goodlow, whichever one you want to count, are really the only the only ones not returning. What are your general thoughts on these guys coming back? And you know, who are who are kind of your main impact guys? Obviously, Alan Bowman probably is one. Well, Alan Bowman, you know, stands out kind of among the rest. But if I had to go with another one, I think it's going to be Brennan Presley. I mean, I, I think that he has uh, cemented himself as an integral part of this offense. I mean, several games over 10 catches, which is just kind of unfathomable. But I think he and Alan Bowman really developed a chemistry late in the season that could kind of go overlooked. And to me, I think those two coming back as much as Ollie Gordon coming back is important. I think those two guys coming back may be more important like to the overall success of the offense. Because what I think you have now, considering the offensive line is all coming back, you know, Ollie Gordon, Brennan Presley, Rashad Owens, Alan Bowman, you're, I mean, you're looking at a top flight offense in the big 12. I think there's question marks on the defensive line linebacker that have to be addressed even within the secondary, but I think what you're looking at is a top three offense almost guaranteed in the Big 12 next season, at least in terms of returning production. So uh, I think it's a huge deal. I think Alan Bowman, additionally, you know, just to spend a little time on him, like he has this last season was one of the more accomplished seasons in recent history for an Oklahoma State quarterback. If you just look at like, they went to the Big 12 title game. They beat Oklahoma. They had a 10-win season, won their bowl game. And that's like up there with like Spencer Sanders' best seasons. Like not just looking statistically, but looking at accomplishment-wise. So I can't imagine, 
And we talked about this. I can't imagine Oklahoma State having looked into the portal or looked on their bench and said, yeah, no, we're good. We're going to go some other direction because I think Alabama coming back puts you in a situation to compete for the Big 12, which puts you in a position to pe- compete for the 10 or 12 team playoff next year. So I think it's a, I think it's a huge deal. Yeah, and I think it's a great point by you to stick on Alan Bowman for a second. Something else that, and, and you laid it out perfectly, but he's getting back Owens and Presley, who he started, I mean, you saw it, he did build chemistry up with these guys. And heading into next season, he'll have a full off season to work with Talon Shetrin, to work with Tyler Foster, the tight end commit from Ohio, who will talk about the young guys, Tyke Andrews, Jalen Pope, Cam Hurd. Dejon Stribling, he'll have that full offseason to work with these guys, and he's already had a season to work with Presley and Owens, two of your more prolific guys at the receiver spot. So to think, even with him being in his seventh year of college football, to think that he won't improve, it, I think is a little crazy to me because he didn't have those reps, and he lost the guys he that were running with the ones for a majority of the season, like a Bray or a majority of the off season, like Bray and Stribling, he lost those guys early in the season and Bray, you know, kind of popping in and out. So he's working with Leon Johnson, who, uh, you know, at the spring practice I was at, wasn't even running with the twos. So didn't get probably very many off season reps with him at all. So I I think that's an important point there. And then our guy, Adam Lunt, who we had on the pod last week, he laid out some stuff on the PFB chamber, kind of talking about some of the stats that people are hitting on negatively for Bowman, which I think are justified. But one of the main ones, Kay, that I wanted to bring up to you is the interceptions. Oklahoma State was second in the entire country in pass attempts. So, like, other quarterbacks who attempted that many passes had, you know, 19, 14, 10 interceptions. So the 14 interceptions he had are a lot. You want that to come down. I still think it was too high. I'm not saying it wasn't too high. But you got to you got to remember that he threw the ball a ton. So even bringing it down a little would be a huge positive. Also, I think some of those games are outliers that you have to look at like UCF and Houston. And then Oklahoma State had 24 red zone rushing touchdowns. That was 18th in the country. So if you're talking about his TD touchdown number being low on 501 pass attempts, it is. But you also have to remember that you're not going to not give Ollie Gordon the ball in the red zone. Right. So it's not like Oklahoma State wasn't scoring touchdowns. They were just scoring them on the ground instead of through the air. So there's two things from that what Adam laid out and appreciate, appreciate him laying that out that I kind of wanted to just call out along with, you know, the low completion percentage that he had, which there were some really bad outlier games. And then he had games close to 70%, which you and I talked about on the spot. Yeah. I, I just, to me, I think Alan Bowman, like, you know, overall his performance was good enough to get Oklahoma state to a position where they were competing for a big 12 title. So that to me, just if you were just to boil it down to its elements, that is a good thing. Like you would want that back. I think, as you said, there are some things you'd like to see him clean up. Um, I think the offensive line having another year together, he will benefit from. I think, again, if you look at, you know, are they going to do something different at, at running back, that second level running back? Maybe Sessie's the guy. Maybe he's not. But I'm just curious to see what, you know, talent they surround him with. And he did all of that 
without Dijon Stribling, who was coming in as the guy. So I, I really look forward to seeing what Bowman does, and I think he's going to do good stuff. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we've talked about it on here, but the throwaways, right? You, you knock him for that at times, but then you look at how few sacks Oklahoma State took this season. So, you know, it, it's, it's things like that. It's cleaning up things, as you mentioned, but I think there will definitely be improvement there. On the defensive side, you hit on it a little bit. Justin, for me, you know, I asked you this question about kind of who are the most impactful guys. I think Justin Wright getting the waiver, not that we thought there, it seemed like there was going to be a good chance of it, but seeing it confirmed is huge because I think now you have the option losing Xavier Benson at your weak side, your will linebacker, or sorry, as your strong side linebacker, you could move Nick Martin to that spot. You could maybe see if Justin Wright could play that spot. You could now rotate Justin Wright with a Colin Oliver at the will or a Nick Martin at the mic, kind of have him as your swing linebacker and play a Donnie Stevens or a Jeff Roberson at the Sam strong side linebacker spot. So Wright coming back now gives you the option of having three experienced guys and Martin Oliver and Wright along with Roberson and Stevens and Gabe Brown who got reps this season so even though I, I'm not saying linebacker was a plus this year by any means across the board, but I do think getting that experienced guy back makes it a, a net wash. I think losing Benson at the yeah. linebacker spot. I think so too. And, and we didn't get to see a whole lot of Justin, Wright. So to, to me, it's a bit of an unknown, but I do think a, a veteran guy now he's been around the program for a year. I do think, you know what you have. And I would agree with you. I think it's a, it's a net zero gain uh, in terms of what it does to the overall roster. I think my biggest concern is what's going to happen in front of those guys. Like, are they going to yeah. be asked to tackle everything? That's my biggest concern. Yeah, I do think, even though we've had some critical things to say, say about him on the podcast, I do think getting Xavier Ross back just for depth is huge. And then we'll talk about Obi Azigbo, who I came out on Twitter and put my thread saying that he committed for, via Robert Allen and Robert Allen. I he retracted that on the radio this week and said he hadn't committed yet, but he still seems to think that's going to happen this week. It might happen while we're podcasting. So I think adding him helps depth. You still, I think need to upgrade there, but if they were to play more true four down, even front getting Colin clay back could be a positive. And I'm not saying this would work every snap, but you could you could play you know an over front and have Justin Kirkland as your nose in you know that one tech. Colin Clay has shown he's athletic enough in his career to play a three tech defensive tackle. Maybe that solves a little bit of the defensive end issues. You're kind of going away from the odd front there. I'm not sure if they, if Nardo wants to completely do that, but it is something that I was kind of popping around in my brain. That would be really you know, interesting. The, the meme where uh, the wife is like, he's thinking about other girls yeah. <laughs> and the guy's turned over. And that's what I'm thinking about over even fronts with Kirkland and Colin Clay in the interior. But I, I do think I, I don't want to just brush Ross coming back under the rug. I don't want to brush Kendall Daniels coming back under the rug because I know he had some bad games this season, but I do think getting him back is great for the team as a whole. Maybe he has a position change. Lunt and I talked about some personnel moves. And then to wrap it up, you know, Jake Schultz. Losing Braden Casty is big. Getting Jake Schultz back, an experienced guy, to where 
you don't have to have a Bryce Drummond or a Luke McIndoo playing every single snap, even though I like both of those guys. I do think that's big at the fullback spot. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, Jake Schultz is kind of another one of those, like, I'm I'm ready to see it because he's been around for a while. You and I have talked about him. I'm ready to see it come together. I wonder if he's just one of those late bloomers that, you know, it, it all works out. So we'll, we'll definitely see on that. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a drop-off from Cassidy, but not huge. I think yeah. he's a good player. And then we'll get into Foster, but I think he could end up being yeah. almost a, a net neutral for Josiah Johnson. And then you're talking about basically upgrading overall, getting Dijon Stribling back on your I offense, mean, which is in, in an Isaiah glass. I mean, Tyler Foster looks awesome. So uh, yeah. I'm excited to talk through him later in the pod but i agree with you i i i think you should look at this going into next season that oklahoma state upgraded just with the fact that dejon stribling is back and basically everybody else is coming back so i think you gained yeah i think it's perfect a couple other quick notes before we move into the portal xavier benson he didn't have any eligibility left but he still declared for the nfl draft on twitter and then alex hale kate i wanted to get your thoughts on both of these guys i'm honestly I think both these guys can make a practice squad. Teams always seem to take flyers on kickers. But Tanner Brown, I think overall, was a, is a better kicker than Alex Hale. Alex Hale having to be moved off of extra points for Logan Ward towards the end of the season because he was kicking it too low. Well, in our opinion, we think that's why he got moved off kicking it too low. It was a little unsettling. I'm not sure, and I hate to be negative after we were just really positive, but I don't know if I see either of these guys making an NFL squad. And I, I love both of them; they were great at Oklahoma State. I just, I'm a little, I'm a little unsure there. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said there. I, it seems like it will be tough, but maybe somebody picks them up on a practice squad and they make their way that way. I, I do think after that negativity, I do think Alex Hale was a very, very good college kicker. And just like we said last year with Tanner Brown, there's a chance we could miss him. And that could play into some of these close games that Oklahoma State won this season. So it, although I say, I don't know if he's going to make it on an NFL team. I, he's going to have to be on this team. Yes. I could see kicker, you know, being right now, it's kind of an unknown, I think, and could be something that leads to some close game losses next year with how many close games Oklahoma State won this season. I would agree with that completely. Yeah. And lastly, uh, Joe Bob Clements and John Wozniak both were named. They were awarded top coach at their positions in the Big 12 by our coaching network, a football coaching community on social media. Kid, my only real takeaway here is that's pretty cool for Joe Bob, who switched from defensive line to linebackers and he got accolades in the de- on the defensive line. Now he's getting accolades at the linebacker spot. And then Waz, even though I, I know people have questioned his running back recruiting over the years, it's it, it's his seventh year at Oklahoma State, and he's had some pretty good names. Yeah, there, I, so. I was just going to say, have they? Like, people have – I mean, he's Chuba Hubbard. Justice, Justice Hill was his recruit as well, right? I think Maybe that would have right been yeah, on the during trailing. his tenure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, developing Jalen Warren into an NFL-caliber – starting split time running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I would like to bring somebody on this podcast to interrogate them. If they, if they hold that opinion, I, I would argue that he's done a great job all around. So 
Yeah, and he's both of those guys just from the I'm not acting like I know either of them very well, but from the practices I've gotten to go to, they both seem awesome, especially Waz, not to not saying Joe Bob is not, but the players love Waz. Ollie loves Waz. So I think it's one of the reasons Ollie's sticking around along with, you know, the bag, but Waz being there, I think yeah. helps a lot. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, Cade. Should we dive in? Should we I mean, go portaling? I'm ready. I missed it last week. <laughs> so the transfer portal officially closed. I believe it was as of you know 11:59 on January 2nd p.m. It opens again. I see people saying April 15th, but if you go to the NCAA's like official like release on it, it says April 16th. I know one day doesn't matter, but April 16th through April 30th. So it's we talked about it. it the portal windows were not only longer total, but the first window was 45 days. Now it's 30, and then the second one is 15. So overall, they were shortened by 15 days. Even though I think this spring one is kind of the same length as it was last year. Don't quote me on that. As we mentioned, the dead period actually goes until January 11th. The reason why some of these guys like Tyler Foster and Obi Azigbo, I, I mean, he he come, him coming from Gannon, I think is a little bit different, but some of the guys that you've seen visiting as of January 3rd is because as we mentioned before on the pod, there is an exception to the dead period starting on January 3rd for two and four year college transfers who are going to enroll for the spring semester. It is a quiet period. So you can actually go on to college campuses during that period is why Tyler Foster was able to visit. So we talked about the guys returning. There's a couple of guys still pending who we haven't, or mainly just guy, Nick Martin. He seems like a guy who's probably not going to come out and say that he's coming back. Corey Black is another one. But in terms of Martin Cade, correct me if I'm wrong, he hasn't graduated, and he's a redshirt sophomore, so he is an underclassman. He only has until January 15th to declare for the NFL draft. So if we don't hear for anything from Nick Martin before January 15th, and he seems like a guy who wouldn't make an announcement, I would assume he's coming back. I would too. And from everything that you and I have heard, it seems like he's coming back, but it's a great point on all the kind of like parameters that he's got to deal with. I wouldn't think he would declare for the draft. I think he's probably got another year. If he's, if he puts another year like that on tape, somebody will pick him up, but I I don't know quite yet. So for me, Dustin, I, I would expect that he's, uh, I would expect that he's back. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think Corey Black will be back as well. He obviously didn't enter the portal, He's another guy that could test the NFL. And I think he did walk at senior day. So I think he's graduated. Yep. So I don't think that January 15th deadline applies to him. So if Corey Black doesn't say anything, we could be waiting a while until spring football to kind of see that. But I, I bet we'll hear before then. And they I need Corey to Black to not say anything as well. Yes. Great segue, Cade, into a guy who's entered the portal from Oklahoma State since we last talked. You know, we've talked about the guys, Jake Henry, Ricky Lola Tyrone Weber, Vilami, Gunnar Gundy, Jaden Nixon, Ladarius Webb, Nick Session, Blaine Green, and Jaden Bray. And now DJ McKinney, six foot, 180 pounder, just finished his redshirt freshman season. He started in the Tax Act Bowl because Corey Black had the groin injury. 
38 tackles, 24 unassisted, four passes defended. He also played in four games in his redshirt freshman season. Pokes report is saying they heard it was an NIL thing and he maybe, you know, quote unquote, got some offers maybe while he was still not in the portal. So we may see a commitment somewhere soon. This is, you know, Adam Lunt and you, this is one of you guys' favorite guys. I love DJ McKinney as well. I'm upset about it from a ceiling perspective, but for a going into next season, if you get black back, I'm a kill. I'm a huge kill Smith guy. I'm a kale Smith. And then you also have cam Smith along with a lot of the young guys coming in Kobe Hilton, who I know is a safety, but adds to that defensive backfield depth. What were your thoughts, Kate on DJ McKinney entering? Was it a shock to you? And how, how do you feel overall? I, I, I was pretty surprised. I mean, I wouldn't say it was like shocking, um, but it would be one of the more surprising ones that you could come up with because he was in line to probably start next year. I would think on the other side, opposite Corey black. So I think your, you know, speculation on NIL is probably correct. I think nowadays until you hear otherwise, it's actually probably a fair assumption that something happened. You know, for Oklahoma State's roster, I again, I think he was probably in line to start, but that's that's really kind of saying against several other really talented guys that are right behind him, similar in age. Like, you know, it's it's a young cornerback room right now without Corey Black. So I don't think Oklahoma State suffers from this one, but I, I mean, the depth below here is is important. And so um, I Personally, don't think they'll look in the portal, but I think there's a, a chance that they do. But I personally don't think they they would. Yeah, if they take a corner in the portal, Gundy always talks about when somebody leaves, finding a similar guy to replace right. them. I think with DJ McKinney, if they do go in the portal, it this would be a situation where they don't maybe do what Gundy says. Right, they take more of a depth, experienced guy who may be able to rotate in if somebody got injured you wouldn't hate it that he has to go out there but with cam kale and Corey black if he decides to officially come back i think you're right i don't think they would go after another starting caliber corner i mean obviously if they found one that would be great for cheap on the nil but yeah I, i agree with your take there but when one leaves Cade, one seems to always come back oklahoma state's way and we've mentioned him already on the pod. That is Tyler Foster, tight end from Ohio, 6'7", 249 pounds. He was at Ohio from 2019 to 2023. He redshirted in 2019, just finished his visit. He actually was on the phone for an interview this morning with RA from the airport, I think on his connection. I think it was in Dallas. Reported it offers from Colorado State, Duke, Houston, San Diego State, and West Virginia. So, some decently big-name schools there that Oklahoma State was able to get him over. I watched three games. I watched the Iowa State, the Akron game, and the San Diego State game. He split his reps basically 50-50 with Will uh, Casmeric, I think is how they were saying it, who just committed to Ohio State. But they basically split 50-50. He played about 50% of the snaps in 2022 as well. Not a huge receiving threat. 20 receptions for 211 yards in 2023, 20 or 13 receptions for 185 yards and four touchdowns, more of a red zone target in 2022. 
played special teams as well. Primarily was lined up either in the slot or as an H-back. Not a ton of inline tight end snaps, but we saw Josiah mainly in the H-back spot as well. So I don't think that's a huge issue there. I think he's awesome. I think he may be more athletic overall than Josiah Johnson. Maybe not as intense and physical of a blocker in the run game, but I don't know many people who, to quote Gundy, just have complete disregard for their body and throw themselves like Josiah did. Yeah. It was complete. It was awesome. The only other call out Cade for me, they didn't use him in a ton of motion, which Josiah was used a lot. I don't think that'll be a big issue. And then the GH counter, Ohio, I saw them run that once in the three games I watched. And I even watched the snaps, the offensive snaps that he Foster was not in on just to get a good feel of their offense. They ran him pulling in kind of a super GT counter where it's the backside guard tackle and the tight end. So it's kind of the same idea, but I, I do think that could be, you know, something he needs to learn as he gets into Oklahoma state's offense. But as far as everything else goes, I, more dynamic of a route tree than Josiah Johnson ran, I think seems to have maybe better hands the one-hand catch at Iowa State is awesome. I'm sure you've seen that one. I watched it when I was watching the game, but I've also seen the highlight clip of it. I I hate, Kate, as I throw it back to you, I hate to say this could potentially be an upgrade at tight end because, you know, I'm a, both of us are huge Josiah Johnson guys. We know his dad, Sydney, listens to the pod, who we love, shout, you know, has asked questions, has tweeted with us and stuff like that, so we appreciate him. But there's the potential that this could be an upgrade at the tight end spot. I, I think that I think potential is the word, and I think on the surface, even if the potential is not realized, I think that this is a really good pickup. I mean, he is, you know, as you mentioned just a moment ago, he is, you know, kind of in the same ilk of a Josiah Johnson, following the trend that Mike Gundy does, which is to try to pull a guy that's similar to the guy that they just lost, and so. We always knew Josiah Johnson was a one-year guy. Tyler Foster, to me, I feel like at 6'7", 250, pass catcher, it's a great pickup. And they, you know, he's a bit of a red zone target for Ohio. Josiah Johnson's hands were pretty underrated. I thought he made a couple of massive catches throughout the year. And I just feel like that that's what they're going to ask the tight end to do is block really hard and catch in contested situations but not a lot so to me dustin i think tyler foster is a huge pickup personally because i think you stabilize at tight end and as you said there's an avenue where this is actually an upgrade so i i could totally see that i think because josiah was so important to this offense this tyler foster pickup if it turns out how you and i think it will could be one of the biggest yeah portal gets in the portal era for oklahoma state Woo. because because if they didn't get him, they were going to have to put guys out there at tight end who basically have zero experience right. because they right. lost Ian Edelfield as well. Quentin Stewart, we've seen him play, but never more than what, like four or five snaps on offense in a game. Tabry Shetron, we still haven't even seen yet. I, I've seen RA talk about possibly even move, moving Schultz there, which I think really limits you in the passing game. So it's, I mean, this this is a big get. I'm not saying like he's going to go out there and be a 50 catch, 500 yard, five touchdown guy, 
you may even at the end of the season be like, man, I wish they would have thrown it to him more. But the blocking aspect of what they were doing in the run game with the GH counter, how important the tight end is in their split zone blocking, you had to go get a guy that was somewhere in the realm of a Josiah Johnson. I don't think they had that on the roster. And if they did, we hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I thought Josiah Johnson was unlike a a player that Oklahoma State's had in quite some time at his size, physicality, and his ability to catch the football from that position. So again, I, I think that they they went and got a good one here. I think they focused in on him too, and they got him after a, a couple of weeks of showing interest, getting him on a visit. So I think this is a guy that they were they were pretty high on. Yeah, I agree. A couple other guys that they've been linked to since we talked last, Reginald Harden Jr. from Benedict College, which is D2. He's committed. He's a wide receiver, 6'5", 200 pounds, similar to a Leon Johnson from the limited tape I've watched. He's committed to Arkansas State. I would think Oklahoma State is able to flip him. He was on a visit this week. I believe it's going to end today. So if he does commit, I think we'd hear something soon. Two years of eligibility remaining. I think this is kind of a wide receiver depth piece, a deep threat depth piece because Oklahoma State's seen injuries so much at wide receiver over the years. And then on the other side of the ball, cornerback Marquise Robinson from South Alabama has been linked to Oklahoma State. I do believe, though, that he was just on a visit or is currently on a visit to Arkansas. And TJ Jackson, a defensive end from Troy, although I it looks like he's a heavy West Virginia lean. And then we've already talked about Obi Izigbo. If he officially commits, we'll talk about him again on the next pod. But I think we've brought him up twice already on the pod, so I'm not going to go into him again. There are several guys that Oklahoma State's been linked to who have still not committed. But as you, I think, Cade, you laid this out last season. Once we don't hear anything for like a week, I think you can kind of, say that Oklahoma State's either not in on them or they're not in on Oklahoma State anymore. I don't think they're going to get Jackson from Troy. I don't think they're going to get Robinson from South Alabama, the cornerback. I do, however, think they have a good shot at landing Harden Jr. And I, I think Azigbo is going to commit. I, I still think that's like 100%. Yeah, from on that list, just the idea of Reginald Harden coming from Benedict College. You know, last year when Leon Johnson stepped foot on campus, the the George Fox University name was disparaged. I mean, it was absolutely laughed at. And now Oklahoma State needed one guy in Leon Johnson for all of that to be, you know, thrown out the window. I, I think Harden looks like a good player. I, I would love to see him get picked up as a depth piece. But as we've seen, Oklahoma State's ability to, uh, to you know, uh, develop those guys into a power five level player, they've got it. So I, I look forward to him. Ezekiel looks like a great player. Marquise Robinson, though, I'd love to get him, but I think we're going to have some competition on that one. I, I don't I don't love the idea of that. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, that's all I have in the portal. Did you want to hit a little basketball before we? I think we can. I think we can go pretty quick on this, Dustin. I mean, they over the last couple of weeks, it seems like they've they've caught a little bit. Of a of a groove now, granted game win streak. Yeah, granted that's against the likes of Tulsa, Chicago State, um, South Carolina State. I think was one. I don't have the schedule right in front of me. Yeah, but so Wofford of those teams, two of them are ranked 
309th or higher by Ken Palm, and which is South Carolina State and Chicago State. And then the other three, Tulsa, ORU, and Wofford, are ranked 168th or worse or higher. So great point by you. Not very good competition, and we know they've had some bad losses. They've had some terrible losses. And if I look at them, I mean, the St. Bonaventure loss – the Notre Dame loss, that trip to Brooklyn, they should never play in that tournament again because it is not kind to them. <laughs> Abilene lo- Christian. Yeah, they they oh yeah. How could we forget losing to Abilene Christian on our home floor? You go to Southern Illinois and you're 0 and 2 against them in the Mike Boynton era now. So it was not a good non-conference for Oklahoma State. There is no sugarcoating that, Dustin. You lost to really every team that you kind of had circled outside of Tulsa on your on your non-conference schedule thinking, yeah, that'll be somewhat interesting. They lost all of those. However, they do appear to be playing a little bit more confidently and they're going to have to because they opened big 12 play on Saturday at home against a top 20 ranked Baylor who has reloaded. This is same old Baylor can shoot the lights out. However, Baylor has shown a little bit of a uh, an, an aptitude to go on cold streaks. They got blown out by Michigan State a couple of weekends ago. Um, Dustin, I'll I'll just tell you this is this is the way I'll I'll break down kind of the next couple of weeks in my mind. You got Baylor at home, at Texas Tech, at Iowa State, Kansas at home, at Kansas State. There's an avenue where you're zero and five in that. That's not out of the realm of possibility, but two and three, two and three gets you kind of maybe the season righted, but I mean, they're going to need to beat like a Kansas. They're going to need to beat somebody that they should not beat. Yeah. Ken Palm has the projected conference record at five and 13 at the end. I think I so do let's too. Set the, let's set that over under at five and a half. Do you see over or under five and a half? I think with the addition of Houston, the addition of BYU, who is a top 15 team, you got a home and home with them. I I will take the over slightly. I think they win six conference games. And I think they, yeah, I, they steal one, you know, that they shouldn't on the road. But outside of that, I mean, I, this is not a this is not a, a NCAA tournament team. I think I think I'm actually going to go with six as well, but I'm, I think five and a half, the line at five and a half is tough because I could see five as well. The thing with me, Kate, and I wanted to get your take on this starting two true freshmen in Eric Daly and Brandon Garrison and only playing one team ranked higher than 67th by Ken Palm in yeah. which was Creighton. I'm just a little bit worried in some of these first few games against this tougher competition. And this is not a knock on Daly or Garrison or any of the true freshmen on Oklahoma State's roster that I I love all of them. I think they might be a little shaky to open conference play. So I could see a little losing streak to start. And then as you go down the stretch with Brandon Garrison being one of your only big men that's getting minutes besides, you know, like a Mike Marsh, and I know they have Isaiah Miranda on the roster too, but like a guy that can guard other teams' bigs, being a tr- Brandon Garrison being a true freshman, I I could see several games where he gets in foul trouble early. Yeah, and Oklahoma State just gets killed down low. I we we said this, at least I did, and I think you agreed with this. 
for Mike Boynton to have taken so many true freshmen in a really kind of a make or break year for him was a bold move. And the non-conference schedule, Dustin, I mean, if you go 11 and three, that's different. But that non-conference schedule did not set you up to be prepared to, to go back to your point, to take on this Big 12 slate. And so for me, it's like, I, I look at the first five games and I'm like, I don't know where the win is. I, I really don't. So, I mean, the Big 12 as well is better than it's ever been. Oklahoma State is at the bottom. And I just, I think they're in for a long year. Yeah. Well, they got Baylor on Saturday at two. So we'll be watching that one, kind of see how it goes from there. Hey, did you want to hit a few questions before yeah, we get out of here? I, I would I would love to, Dustin. Should we hear a word from a quick sponsor and then we'll come right back and do some questions? We want to say a quick thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Classic Overland. Classic Overland specializes in restoring original Land Rover Defenders designed with your unique style and specifications. They go to great lengths to find quality vintage Defenders before they begin the restoration process, and their team of experts will guide you through the various exterior and interior options to create the perfect build. Our friends Luke Reed and Robert Dennis of Classic Overland are both Oklahoma State graduates and will work with you through the process to ensure you have a great experience. And in addition, if you purchase a Classic Overland Defender and mention this podcast, the Feels Like 45 podcast, their team will donate a portion of the proceeds to the Pokes with a Purpose NIL Collective. To learn more, you can visit their website, classicoverland.com, and you can contact Luke and Robert at robert at classicoverland.com. Thank you. Go Pokes. All right, Dustin, welcome back. Let's get into questions. I miss being able to do this during football. And appreciate you guys sending these in. We obviously, we always love it seeing how many that gets sent in. We really appreciate it. Our first one, I just grabbed as many as I could, threw them on here. So if I missed one, my bad. I think I got most of them though. Brian Metcalf at Brian J. Metcalf says, can you give us final grades on the coaching staff by position? Have to assume grades only went up from the quote-unquote preseason games. Kate, I wrote down some grades quickly. You want me to throw them at you, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree? That's that's a good way to do that. Okay. Offensive line, I gave them a B, just a straight-up B. I almost wanted to go higher, and I'm literally – the. I'm taking these grades I'm taking into account last season as well. And then the fact that they're also getting to return so many guys, I think from where last season was, if you say that's a D, I think you have to bump them up a two full letter grades going into this year. I think so too. I mean, they weren't awesome. I mean, they were awesome, but they weren't like even average. They were a slightly above average, I thought. And so that feels like a B. Right. I think it's a B minus B minus has bad connotations. It's like you barely made it. I would go. Yeah. B. And I'm giving QB a B as well. I thought even with the, f- I know people will be like, how are you giving him a B with 15 to 14 TD to interception ratio? I get it. But if you watch the games and saw what Oklahoma state was able to do yep. once they put Alan B- Bowman in at quarterback, I, I do think you've got to give it higher than a C. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, 100%. Running back, I think you got to go A. You had the Dake, Doke Walker yeah, award. Yeah. You can even go A plus if you want. Nobody else is better than you at running back. <laughs> so, yeah, it might be an A plus situation. Wide receiver, I 
this was Kate. I might have struggled the most here. I want to go A because your second and third string guys ended up being your first string guys and still operating efficiently. But I almost think you have to go B overall because they did struggle in some games, especially early in the season. And even in some of those blowout games, they looked pretty bad when they had to go against DBs that were really locking them up. So I think B there as well. That's fair. I I think the way I would offset that maybe is like, you know, you found a hidden gem in Leon Johnson. So like, if anything, I would say the highest I'd go is B plus, but I wouldn't go lower than a B. So I, I I like your, I like your approach to it. I think maybe the, I mean, the like uh, announcement of arrival from Rashad Owens, even maybe worth some points as well. So Yeah. yeah, I mean, B to B plus to me. I think so. Okay, on the defense, we can go quick. D-line, I wanted to give him a D. I gave him a C-. minus. Yeah, I was going to say C. That was immediately what came to my mind, but I, I like it. Linebacker, I think you float around like the B-plus range because of your Nick Martin, and then you're not an A because, you know, sometimes you had the games where the guys would get washed, but I think you also have to fault the D-line. For some of that. So I don't want to just knock them down any lower than like a BB plus. Yeah. I I would go B. They were they were good, not great. Cornerbacks B, and then I have safeties as a C. I I may even put like safeties as a C minus. I like the cornerbacks great. That's fair, but like is co- is cornerbacks too low at a B because of how we no. saw them play in some games? Okay. You know, I mean it might be. It might be. They they're really they had one bad game, I feel like. If I looked back and like I just remember the UCF game being bad for them, but it might be too low, but they're not they weren't an A minus group. The I think the safeties that along with the defensive line was was a pretty weak unit, I thought. I do think C minus is probably a better grade there. I like I like your grade there. Brian, I love that question. I put, I actually put that one first on purpose because I thought that was kind of a cool one to go through. So appreciate that. Next, we have Blaker Davidson at Blake underscore R underscore D. With so many of our roster returning at this point, what would you say are realistic expectations for the upcoming season? Okay, let's just go regular season win loss. I think you have to start the expectations at nine and three. I mean, you have to. Yeah, that's 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 your floor. I think anything yeah. below that is disappointing. I agree, especially you know, I know they get, I know they have South Dakota State, who's going to be tough in the non-con, but you got Tulsa. You got Arkansas, who wasn't very good this year, and then you have no OU, no Texas. Yeah, that's so, you got to win nine games. All right, um, this so JW at the dub the W asked a question about if Bowman's coming back, kind of similar to that. I'm just gonna shout you out for sending the question. We're gonna skip that one since we talked Bowman already, and because since you asked that, he's officially coming back. Brandon Ramos at Brandon Ramos said, obviously the team finished strong this year, but if you had to replace one of the position coaches heading into 2024, which one would you want a replacement for? I don't know if I would. It's if you made me pick, if you forced me to pick, and I'm not going to go Charlie Dickey because of the improvement no on the offensive line this year and getting all those guys to come. My Gundy now. looks like a genius, by the way, for not yes. having caved to the fan pressure last year. If you, again, uh, if this got pulled out of context, I would be very upset. 
But in context, if you're making me pick, throwing out recruiting, I'm just talking about position play development. Do you go Greg Richmond? Probably. But I, but I don't want to do that because he's the, all the – all the defensive players cite Greg Richmond, not even the D line when they get recruited. Yeah, a, so I don't want to do that. It's a tough question because you're literally like, I think the answer that we're providing is okay, which unit are we least high on and who's the coach for that? But I, yeah, it's a tough question because you have to replace somebody and I wouldn't replace anybody right now. We've got two on basketball GIA enthusiast at ACCT poke accounting poke says, is the basketball season already squandered? And then Lindell Dalrymple at Lindell D said fire Boynton question mark. No. Okay. We kind of went into it already. I wouldn't say squandered, but if they made the NCAA tournament, I would be pretty shocked. I mean, you're going to have to go like 12 and six to win. To because get of the conference. The yeah. Not just because of this team. And you have bad losses. You have like a, a, a um, satchel of bad losses that you are trudging through this season with. So I, I do, I do think the basketball season is in a really tough spot. They, could they get hot? Yes, they're very talented, but they're so young. And I, I to Lindell's question, I mean, if you go 0-5 to start Big 12 play and the stadium is as empty as you saw it last weekend or this last week against um, whoever they played, I don't, I don't know how it ends, but it's not good. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, we'll do one more. TX pokes fan at TX pokes underscore fan says, would y'all rather have a football team win the big 12 or have the basketball team reach the final four? He says he doesn't want to include CFP because he thinks we would definitely pick football. Kate, I'm not going to lie. I, I hate like making an excuse every time I give an answer like this. I didn't grow up as an Oklahoma state fan when they were really good at basketball. So I didn't start cheering for Oklahoma state in any sport until my freshman year of college in 2007. So, and I'm, I'm a bigger football guy anyway. So I think I'm still going to choose football, big 12 championship. I and actually I may get roasted for that, but yeah, no, there's, there's actually no way that I would pick football in this one, but it's, it is absolutely because of the context. And for me, like I grew, I was, I grew up in the Oklahoma state basketball, like, you know, early two thousands heyday. So that was like my, I've said this, that was my first love was OSU basketball. I cried on the floor when Will Bynum beat Oklahoma State in the final four for Georgia Tech in 2004. But Oklahoma State has not been anywhere close to that since then. And being in the final four is a huge deal. I mean, winning the Big 12 is great, but in the 12-team playoff era, like it gets you in the playoff. That's fantastic. I think being in the final four is one of my like childhood, like, you know, one of those memories. And I remember, you know, watching the games at Disney World when we were on the trip and then you come back and they're in. The, so it was just, uh, yeah, Final Four is the answer for me. The other thing, K2, even though he put that as a caveat with the 12 team playoff, if you win the Big 12, you're getting in the right. Yeah. Playoff, yeah, so. yeah. If it was um, a, now four team playoff versus Final Four, I might have to pick a 14 playoff experience because I know how much it crushed me when they didn't get in against Baylor as an adult. That's very true. So. That's very true. And another hot take by me is, you know, maybe make it college world series championship in baseball. And then I get, then that'll wear. Yeah. If you there. So, but you know, I'm a, I'm a huge baseball guy, so that's just my fault. That's my fault. 
So yeah, you are a huge baseball guy. That one's a distant third, but I mean, distant only in like I I want them in the College World Series. But those two, that's like that's like my love. So. Well, appreciate everybody's questions as we are trying to hold ourselves to shorter pods. That's the last one we're going to be able to get to. And as we wrap up, we'll hear from Wild Oak Lighting, one of our podcast sponsors. We appreciate them sponsoring. Wild Oak Lighting is your authorized jellyfish lighting dealer for the greater Oklahoma City area, Stillwater, and several other Oklahoma markets. Jellyfish lighting is a permanent but discreet color-changing LED lighting system for the exterior of your home with 16 million different colors and patterns. Jellyfish lighting can be used for Christmas, holiday, and accent lighting. And of course, Oklahoma State game day lighting. You can learn more about jellyfish lighting by checking out the website wildoak-lighting.com or you can follow them on Facebook or on Instagram at wildoak underscore lighting and Cade Special shout out to Wild Oak Lighting. This will be the last pod that they're on. I think we're going to bring them back um, again for football season. This will be the last kind of football pod. We may do some special stuff with them at some point, maybe some giveaways. So please hit them up because you'll forget about it. We're not going to talk about them again on the pod. You want these lights. I know Christmas is over, but I use mine every night as accent lights. I love how they look. My wife loves how they look. Or that's what she tells me anyway. Hit these guys up. They're awesome, and we appreciate them so much for sponsoring the podcast. Shout out to all of our sponsors. We're going to keep Classic Overland and Charlie Hustle as we move forward, but special thanks to Wild Oak Lighting. Wild Oak, we'll miss you, baby, but we'll see you soon. That's uh, fantastic, Dustin. Appreciate that. Well, that wraps us up. And if you're not following us already on Twitter, Instagram, and threads, you can do so at FeelsLike45Pod. You can follow Dustin at Dustragu, and you can follow me at Cade Webb. We'll see you guys back here next week. Let's see if Cowboy basketball can get a big win. Go, folks.